guys ever seen the original Karate Kid, like 34-year-old Karate Kid with Ralph Macchio and Mr. Miyagi? Have you guys raise your hand if you've seen Karate Kid. All right, for those of you that didn't, I want you to leave now and go watch it and come back later today. No? All right, you don't have to. So, I remember, and maybe you have a movie like this, but 34 years ago when I was just a little nine-year-old Justin, I think that's the right math. That's probably the wrong math. But either way, 34 years ago is when it came out. I went and saw The Karate Kid with my good friend Jeff Yakely, who lived across the street from me, and it was just amazing. It's like the best underdog movie of all time next to Rocky, um, but it's better than Rocky because it deals with students, it deals with teenagers, it deals with you guys. And when we got home from watching that movie, we went to Jeff's house, and we were just like crane-kicking everything in the house. We broke things, we beat up each other, but it was a really fun day. Um, this movie has a lot of nostalgia for me because it was like the movie of the year for me that year. And maybe you have a movie like that where you just, when you're finished watching it, you just come home and you're just jazzed. Well, that was the Karate Kid for me. So fast forward to now, and they've just come out with a new YouTube Red series called Cobra Kai. And it is a continuation of the Karate Kid story. And it's Daniel LaRusso, who's the main guy in the movie, and then his nemesis, Johnny and it's them 30 years later, and Daniel owns like a car dealership, and Johnny's a plumber, and like things started happening. I watched the first two episodes, and um, it's not very good, but I still like it because it has to do with something from my childhood. Um, but as I'm thinking about this show that I watched the first two episodes of this new thing, as I'm putting our sermon together this week, I'm like, oh, Karate Kid totally works for what we're going to be talking about on Sunday. So I have put some clips of that movie in. We're going to watch the first one here in just a second, but as we do, I want you to um, just kind of relate. Um, you got any bullies in your life, or maybe you're a bully to somebody sometimes? I have been both. Um, do you have maybe not a human being that's a bully or your antagonist, but do you have any fear? Do you have any shame? Do you have any troubles in your life that this year have just been really pushing you around, um, beating you up? I want you to think about those things as you watch this clip. Check this out. Let's go to sleep. All right, that's my buddy Daniel, Ralph Macchio, the man that hardly ages. Um, he is new to the area, he's at a new school, and he just kind of gets in the way of the wrong guys, um, and they just start beating him up on basically a weekly basis, and he's just having a really hard time fitting in to his new community. He's having a hard time um, like feeling comfortable in his own skin, like everything changed for him when he moved from Reseda to wherever California he ended up in, and he just didn't really know himself in this new environment. And I, I think of that clip as I consider, that was me when I first started coming to this church. When I gave my life to Jesus, at, um, basically the first time I ever came into Wood's Edge, when we were over at the college, 
The first sermon I heard, I was like, I don't know everything, but I know what that man down there, which was Jeff Wells, I know what he's talking about is true. I, I just believe it, and I know I want it. I know I need it, and in order to receive it, my whole life's going to have to change because my whole life at that point was just drugs and alcohol and just living for myself. So I think of this clip, and I think of that time in my life, and it was very similar. When I first became a believer, um, I had to step away from a lot of my friendships because the only thing we did together was stuff that got me in trouble. The only thing we did together was party and drink and do drugs. And I can't follow Jesus and understand Scripture and pursue a loving relationship with my Savior while I'm getting high and getting drunk. And believe me, I tried a lot, I'm ashamed to say. So I needed to step away from my friendships. Not my friends, they weren't the problem. I was the problem because all of our relationships were built around things that hurt me, that I finally realized were hurting me. And maybe you have some friends like that and some relationships like that, where every time you know when you see this person, nothing good is going to come out of that. You're going to walk around afterward feeling like, man, I wish I hadn't have done that. Um, so when I plugged into this new life, this new community of Wood's Edge, um, my friends that I had to step away from resented me. Uh, many of them like openly hated me. I remember having lunch with my best of those friends about two weeks after I just had a dramatic transformation for Jesus. And he looked at me with disdain, and he's like, I don't recognize you anymore. I don't like you anymore. I want you to just turn back into, you know, party boy Justin, or I don't want anything to do with you. And it's been 20 years or so, and I've seen him on a handful of occasions, and every time I see him, he looks at me, and he's like, I don't want anything to do with you. And that stinks, because he was my best friend. Um, and he talked about me with some of my other friends. So there was like some bullying there and some fear there. And it was just really hard to plug into this new thing called Christianity, called church, because I felt like my old friends, a lot of them just kind of beat me up. I also ended up on the enemy's radar, on Satan, the devil's radar, because he was like, man, I had Justin. He was an alcoholic. He was going to hell. And now he's giving his life to Jesus. So he started really coming after me with temptation. He was really coming after me with fear and like feelings of like I'm not good enough, so I was getting beat up there, and I was just beating myself up because, you know, have you ever, who's come to church before and been like, I, I, sh I don't deserve to be here if they only knew what I did, and those were my feelings about myself, so I was beating myself up. I love that these guys are dressed as skeletons, right, because that's the enemy's tactic. He scares us with fears and just the idea of dying and death, and so I really resonate with that scene, but that's why we come to church right? Just because I give my life to Jesus doesn't mean I know everything I need to know. Like, I come to church, and I came to church because I was desperate, and I needed to grab onto church, and I needed to grab onto the people in my church and say, help me, I'm weak, and I'm small, and I don't know anything. And so I started coming to church. I, I got on a serving team. I joined a small group. I did anything and everything I could so that I could grow, so that I could get stronger, so that I could understand more about the Bible. And that's why we come here, I mean, some of you over the years, um, I've challenged you about why you're here, and some of your answers are, I'm here to see my friends. You guys, that's great. I love that your friends are here, and we're friends, but that's not why we come to church. We come to church to draw closer to Jesus and to learn more about who He is and who He created us to be. That's the main thing, and that's what I did early in my faith walk. And as I was thinking about this sermon, I was just thinking, man, how much have we grown together this year? How much have we learned together this year? Um, how strong are, have we become this year? And I, I feel like I'm supposed to remind us of some of the things that we've learned together and experienced together this year. Um, 
my first slide. You guys know what these initials stand for, don't you? What's that stand for? I'll give you a hint. It's on my chest. Change the way that you think. This is our theme for the year, and the reason this is our theme is because this is the theme of discipleship. The first word out of Jesus' mouth when he left the desert and began his ministry was repent. And repent means to change the way you think. About what? About who God is and who he created us to be. You guys have learned the definition of this word that is vital to your salvation and your relationship with the Lord, and we have walked through that, and I have reminded you of that every single Sunday and Wednesday for the last year. We've done that together. Next slide, something we've learned, ways we've grown this year. You should recognize this if you're part of a small group, but these are the small group questions that we walk through every single week, oftentimes to your dismay. Man, it's the same questions every time. There's intentionality in it being the same questions every time. Every single one of those questions is a biblical foundational verb of discipleship. And every time you do your small group study in your group, you are just, it's becoming part of you. It's just embedding itself in your brain and your heart. You are learning how to read the Word, to understand the Word, to apply the Word. And if you did small groups this year and you walked through those questions, you could never see those questions again, but you have a basic understanding every single one of you, of how to read the Bible, how to interpret what it's saying to you, and then how to go out and do something with it. And that's powerful. That's huge. That's a big deal. If that's the only thing you learn this year, I'm grateful because that will change your life. And because you know those questions, you know how to facilitate and hold a small group with your friends this summer, next year, a dozen years from now. Next slide. We walk through the book of Revelation, the first four chapters, where it's all about this is how God expects us to do church. You guys have learned how to do church. You learn by looking at the church of Ephesus and Philadelphia and Smyrna. This is what God expects from us as a church, and this is our church. And this is what he says, man, don't do that because it's going to hurt you. That's going to get you in trouble. That's going to be to your detriment. We have learned how to do church, and as we've walked through Revelation, which we'll get back into in a, a month or so, we've also learned, man, there's more to come. Like, the Bible's not done. There's still stuff that's supposed to happen, and we've learn how to open our eyes and be looking for the fact that the story's not over. You know, America is not the end goal of God's, like, bounty for us. Next slide. And this past spring, we've been in this series called What to Expect When You're Expecting, and we've really laid out some strong foundations of God listens to prayer, God answers prayer. When you assume how, when, where God should answer prayer, it can be your detriment. So we learned how God moves and that we need to be patient. But we've learned, like I would say from the scriptures and the personal stories we've heard, like undeniably, God hears your prayers. God answers your prayers. Next slide. And you guys have been part of small groups. And if you weren't part of small groups this year, man, make sure you are next year. But this is where we take what we hear on Sunday and we apply it to our lives. This is where we ha learn how to do community, do relationships, do conflict. You guys, some of us, our, our method of handling conflict is if you upset me, I just put up a wall and we're like, we're done forever. And nowhere in the Bible is God like, yeah, that's how you do it. No. How we do relationship is with grace and with forgiveness and with apologizing and apologizing well and hearing each other and listening. And the best relationships in my life are the ones like mine with Brooke where we can fight, but at the end of the day, we're still good. We're still together. Those conflicts and walking through them biblically, which we learn how to do here, makes our relationship stronger. You guys, 
some crazy stuff has happened to me and Brooke this year, but we have never once been like, oh, we got to get away from each other. It's driven us closer together because we've learned, as you have this year, how to do relationships. Next. Now, this is my reminder to myself, but like you guys went through a global event this year. Do you realize that Hurricane Harvey was broadcast all over the world? And do you realize that the way that this city, Houston, the way that the Woodlands and Spring and Oak Ridge and Tomball stood up together as one and united most of the time in the name of God and God's love, that we gained worldwide attention? This is this post in the middle, which I love and sums up so much of it, but for a stunning moment, the world has stopped fighting against each other and started fighting for each other, and it's breathtaking. Take note, world. You don't need to wait for a devastating disaster to love. You don't need to wait until your neighbors are drowning to reach across the divide and say, I see you, we're different, but I love you. I see you, you're in trouble, but there's a God who's here to save you. And so many of you were out in your communities helping each other and blessing each other. So many of you came up to church and helped us scrape out all the floors of this ministry team's building like we drew together. I hope you guys never forget what it was like walking through Harvey together. It was powerful. It was amazing. I loved it. Next question, or Next slide. We've learned the beauty and truth of Scripture and how to apply it to our lives, and we've learned that when we pray in the name of Jesus, stuff happens. You've heard it. You've seen it. We've talked about it. It's been demonstrated. Next slide. And then we had freedom. Freedom Weekend, our theme, the great exchange. We have an opportunity all day, every day, today, that if you have any sorrow in your life anywhere, you can trade it in today by whispering a prayer, Lord, this is my sorrow, my fear, my sadness. I want you to take it, and I want you to replace it with your abundant joy. We get to pray to God and, and know that He's responding, even if it takes a few days for us to see the response. I love, on a weekly basis, and in fact this morning on more than one occasion, looking at those doors hanging on the walls that are covered with your testimonies of what God did for you at Freedom, your stories of how God moved for you. And sometimes we just need to be reminded, man, God's alive and well. If you haven't been seeing God, don't be quick to be like, hey, man, what's your deal? Be quick to point at yourself and be like, what's my deal? Have I been pressing in? Have I been praying? Have I been reading my Bible? Um. But I know that some of the series that we've been in, the Change the Way You Think theme, the DBS Bible study can feel repetitive at times. It can feel a little boring. Um, However, doing the same thing over and over and over has a good result. I mean, who in here is in a sport? Who in here plays an instrument? You guys... You know that in order to get strong in your sport, good at your instrument, you got to do the same thing over and over and over. There's good there. As a result of doing all of these things repeatedly over the year, and for many of you, over the years, you're stronger than you think, and you know more than you realize. Um, Thinking about that, thinking of the value of reading your Bible every day, praying consistently, um, keeping your eyes on Jesus, doing the same thing over and over and over, I want you to watch this next clip. And as you're watching it, I want you to realize this is you. This is me, stronger than we think, knowing more about God than we realize. Check this out. 
Daniel, sir. What? Come here. Show me Sandefloor. I can't move my arm, all right? What are you doing? What are you... Ow! Ow, what are you doing? Now show me Sandefloor. How did you do that? Shut up! Sandefloor. Stand up. Show me Sandefloor. 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 Big soccer. Sandefloor. Sandefloor. Now show me wax on, wax off. Aye. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Concentrate. Look in my eye. Lock a hand. Thumb inside. Wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Wax on. Wax off. Show me painter fence. Up, down. Down. Up. Down. Other side. Look, I. Always look, I. Show me paint the house. Side, side. Lock wrist. Side, side. Side, side. Show me wax on, wax off. Yes! Show me painter fence. Hey! Hey! This! This! Show me side to side. Yes! 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 Show me sand of floor. Daniel knew more than he realized, and he was way stronger than he thought. He just, didn't, he just didn't know. He didn't realize that through doing these repetitive tasks over and over, that he was stronger than he realized, that he knew more than he realized. I mean, he's like, teach me karate, I don't know anything. And lo and behold, man, the dude knows karate, knows how to defend himself, knows how to take care of himself, and the same can be said for every single one of you in here that have been part of this student ministry, that have plugged in, that have been coming to small groups or coming on Sunday. You've learned things, you know things, and you're stronger than you think. And your bullies and your fears are still pushing you around, but you don't realize you can stand up today in the name of Jesus and face that thing down. You don't need to be another month at Wood's Edge or another year next year for small groups. Like You're ready 
now. Daniel just needed a reminder. He needed his teacher to stand up and kind of call him out and say, look, enough, just show me what you know. And boom, did you see his amazement as he walked away? He knew what he needed to know. He just needed to use it. You guys, you know what you need to know. It's time to start using it. I feel like this sermon this morning is God calling, not you, but us out, calling us up, saying, you know what you need to know. You're stronger than you think. It's time to start using your faith, using the blessings that I've given you. You guys, you know how to read your Bibles. And I don't mean like how to read, but how to read it and apply it. You guys have learned how to do church well, how to do church according to the Lord. You know how to pray in the name of Jesus and wait for him to respond. You know how to obey the scriptures and apply them. You know how to go out there and just serve people in love. You know how to do random acts of kindness. You don't need any more lessons. You're ready and it's time. Let's go out there and make a difference. I feel guilty that so many times this semester and this year when you've come here and we've prayed a response at the end that I've only had you focus on yourselves. I need to change and start at the end of our sermons when we pray, not just be, God, help me, help me, help me, but we need to start praying and the people in my life and my family and that person I know that is hurting and needs you the way that I did early this year. Um, And whether you know it or not, you guys, you've already started to do that. I heard something profound and beautiful and encouraging on Wednesday night at our leader dinner. As we were sitting around and everybody sharing what they've seen in you this semester, um, Jocelyn Solis, who she is the young lady that runs our serving team, and she could use some more volunteers, so you can talk to her if you want to join a team. Um, she's the one that goes around at the end of every service and collects your prayer cards that you drop in the mailboxes on the doors and up here. And she reads every single one, and she prays over every single one, and she shares with us a team what's going on and how we can pray and maybe what direction I need to pivot my sermon based on what's going on in your life, because you guys go through a lot of the same stuff you might be surprised to hear. And because she's been reading and praying over your prayer requests all year long, she's seen something that she shared in the leader meeting on Wednesday. I love what she said so much I wrote it down. I've noticed something amazing this year. At the beginning of the year, the students' prayers were all focused on the self, on stuff, on things they wanted. But this semester has been completely different. Their prayers are focused on God. Their prayers are focused on others. And then she said this, they have changed the way they talk to God. You guys, that is evidence that you have learned things this year that you are already applying things this year, that you are stronger than you realize, that you have been changing the way that you think about who God is and about who He created you to be. Um, This sermon, again, is God calling us. And I, I want you to hear this as though God was saying it to you, every one of you in this room. You are stronger than you think. You know more than you realize on how to take care of yourself, on how to make a difference, on how to impact the kingdom in the name of Jesus. Um, all God needs is just a subtle push. All Daniel needed was just a little intentionality with what he already knew to make all the difference. So, it is time to move from from the defense that we've been learning to offense. 
Now, I know that God is calling us to this because this week as I was praying about this sermon, the Lord led me to Psalm 34, and this is, this is our call to action psalm. This is our scripture that's going to be where we change direction beginning today. The psalm begins, Psalm 34, 1 through 3, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak His praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take art. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt His name together. That's our call to action, to speak, to share, to proclaim together. God is real. God loves me. God rescued me. He'll do the same thing for you. Okay, so what are we supposed to share? What are we supposed to say? What are we supposed to proclaim? Like, do I need to take a class now on evangelization? No, you're already there. So, the next verse says, I prayed to the Lord and He answered me and He freed me from all my fears. I want you guys to grab the pen and paper underneath your seat and I want all of us to take part in this. I don't care if you've been here for six years or this is your first 60 minutes here at Wood's Edge. But what this just said, after challenging us to tell about who God is, it said, I prayed to the Lord and He answered me and He freed me from all my fears. So that right there, that's what we say. That's what we share. That's what we tell people. Every week, we end our sermon with a response where we ask God to do something. And so right now, I will ask you the question, but this is really you asking God the question, but what fears have you given to the Lord this year? Where in your life have you prayed about fear and you've seen God move or God comforted you or God encouraged you? Like, is there anywhere in your life that you've been praying when it comes to fear that you know God heard me and God responded? Do you, have you heard a testimony of a friend where they're praying about something, they're afraid, they're scared, they're intimidated, and God has moved? Like, own that, acknowledge that, remind yourselves of that today. But what I love about this is that it said, He freed me from my fear, or does it say He freed me from all my fears? So here's your question. Are you still afraid? Do you have any remaining fears that you haven't brought to the Lord? Right now, as I say the word fear, are you thinking of something specific, a relationship, um, a test this week? Is there anything in your life that you're afraid of? Losing someone, cancer, small dogs, I don't care. But God wants to set you free from every fear. And so if something's coming to mind, would you just acknowledge it? Will you be honest with God about it? And will you just ask God, it says in Psalm 34, 4, that when I pray, you hear me and that you free me from all my fears. I'm afraid of this. Rescue me. He's hearing. He's listening. He'll answer. Have some faith. Pray to the Lord. And in the heart of let's get outside of ourselves, who do you know in your life today? Who's coming to mind as I ask? Do you have somebody that you know that's living in fear? Do you have somebody that you know that's afraid of some consequences to, of some bad decisions? Do you know somebody that's afraid of this week and like to the point of like they're suicidal? I bet you know somebody that's suicidal or that's thinking about it or contemplating it. Maybe it's you. 
pray for that person. God, would you hear my prayer on behalf of whoever? Would you answer me? Would you free my friend of their fear? Would you use me to speak a word of hope, of encouragement? Would you give me a testimony to share with them that you are a God who sets people free? Pray for whoever is coming to mind. It could be a parent. It could be a sibling. It could be a friend. It could just be somebody you walked by. But pray for somebody today that God would set them free from fear. Verse 5, those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. I hope you guys have been praying your shame. I hope you guys have been bringing your guilt to the Lord. I hope you already have a testimony of how you've seen God speak encouragement and boldness and confidence over you this year when it comes to any shame or guilt in your life. But notice it says, no shadow of shame. I'm trusting that you guys have prayed about shame. But God says, I want to make you radiant. I want you to shine with joy. And I don't want there to be even a trace, even a speck of shame. If you have even this much shame in your life that's coming to your mind right now today, would you ask boldly, God, remove it, erase it. Shine light, shine truth. God does not want you for one more moment of your life to walk in shame or guilt. I don't care what you did. He probably doesn't care what you did. What he cares about is setting you free and lifting you up and having you walk out of this room knowing he loves me. He's got my back. I don't need to feel guilty about that anymore because he has taken me out of the shadow and put me in the light. And again, we'll ask the follow-up question. Do you know somebody living in shame? you got somebody in your life that's just always shy, embarrassed, guilty, whatever. Did you do something with someone? And that's between you guys now. Would you just ask God, who do I know? Who would you have me pray for today? And lift up that person. Write their name down and just say, Jesus, would you please rescue so-and-so from shame, from guilt, from fear? Would you... If you would have me speak life to them, would you give me the right words at the right time? Maybe right now you're already thinking, I need to call them after service. I need to hang out with them this week. Man, if you're feeling that, that's from the Lord, do it. But you know somebody that's battling these things. Pray for them. See what happens. I was sitting with my friend Carla right up here between services, and I was just compelled to recall how she prayed for a friend of hers that she would encounter the Lord and she prayed for years you guys but then God visited her in the night in a supernatural way and her friend comes up to her the next day and is like you're never going to believe what happened you can be that person that prays for your friend and maybe you don't have to wait for years maybe God's just been waiting for you to pray today in verse 6 In my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened, and he saved me from that one trouble. No, from all my troubles. Everybody in this room has got some troubles. Have you brought it to the foot of the cross and said, God, help me? I don't know what to do. This is trouble. I don't know the solution, but you do. Would you help me? Would you give me wisdom? Like, bring him not just that one thing. Bring him all the things. Is there something coming to mind right now that you know is trouble for you and you don't have an answer that you've maybe never been honest with God about today's the day? Be honest with him. Use what you've been given, this understanding. If I pray in the name of Jesus, something's going to happen here today. 
Give him your troubles. Be bold enough to write it down. And maybe just put a line through it and write Jesus over it. Like that's, that's all he wants from you. And again, we all know somebody in trouble. My, my father is a, is a lifetime alcoholic. And I haven't talked to him in years. And to, Tuesday's his birthday. And, and without Jesus, he's going to die and he will go to hell. He has said to me when I shared the gospel with him, I'm going to hell, there's no saving me. And I'm trying to disagree with him. And he's like, I don't want to hear it. My dad needs Jesus. There's nothing I can do but pray. Do you have somebody in your life that you know needs Jesus? Pray for them. Today, now. I hope you're doing it while I'm talking. I hope you're like, I don't know what Justin's talking about. I'm praying for my friend. All right. When we stand up for freedom, the way that we're doing today as we lift up our friends, when we pray that Jesus would set other people free, we do that because that's what Jesus did for us. He stood up in the name of freedom against all the armies of darkness, and he proclaimed freedom, and then he died on a cross. He laid down his own life for the sake of his friends so that we would be free. I have a great clip to close on, and as you watch it, as you watch this declaration of freedom, as you watch this declaration of these are my people and you can't have them, this is your reminder. Why do I share Jesus? Because He sets you free. Because He fights for you. Check this out. Earth and water. Do not be coy or stupid, Persian. You can afford neither in Sparta. What makes this woman think she can speak among men? Because only Spartan women give birth to real men. Let us walk to cool our tongues. If you value your lives over your complete annihilation, listen carefully, Midas. Xerxes conquers and controls everything he rests his eyes upon. He leads an army so massive, it shakes the ground with its march. So vast, it drinks the rivers dry. All the God King Xerxes requires is this, a simple offering of earth and water, a token of Sparta's submission to the will of Xerxes. Submission. Now that's a bit of a problem. See, rumor has it the Athenians have already turned you down. And if those philosophers found that kind of nerve, then... We must be diplomatic. And of course, Spartans have their reputation to consider. Choose your next words carefully, Leonidas. They may be your last as king. Madman. You're a madman. Earth and water. Well, you'll find plenty of both down there. No man. Persian or Greek, no man threatens a messenger. You bring the crowns and heads of conquered kings to my city steps. You insult my queen. You threaten my people with slavery and death. Oh, 
I've chosen my words carefully, Persian. Perhaps you should have done the same. This is blasphemy. This is madness. Madness. This is Sparta! You guys, I love that scene. I love that fear and death and destruction came to the city gates. And the king went out and met it and said, no. Him yelling, this is Sparta, that just makes me picture Jesus Christ facing my fear, my failure, our spiritual enemy, and saying, these are my people. Jesus has set us free. All the fear, all the shame, all the trouble that you face and that pushes you around and intimidates you, you need to remember Jesus has kicked that into a hole and the enemy is just feeding you lies that those things still have power over you. You just need to remember we are royalty. What I love about this clip is as I think about it and see this king just kick this evil emissary into this dark, weird demon hole, like he's gone. Do you think that all the Spartans that were in the plaza that day after that happened just went back to their normal day? I doubt it. I think they went and they told every single person they knew, our king just destroyed the enemy on our behalf. Our king just fought for us. Our king just set us free. Our king loves us so much. This is what he did. We need to be just like them. We need to talk about and share and exalt and proclaim the things that God has done for us. You have stories. You're stronger than you think, and you know more than you realize. And it's time for us to stop just knowing about all these things and just doing them. And we have opportunities to do them all around us every day, and specifically this summer. You guys can invite somebody to church this summer who really needs it who needs to be noticed. Don't you feel good when somebody invites you somewhere out of the blue? I love that. Even if I say no, it touches me that somebody thought about me enough to invite me somewhere. You have that power. You can invite somebody to church. You can invite somebody to Mission Houston. You can take that extra step and you can say, I feel like you've been having a hard time. Do you want to talk about it? Can I just pray for you for a second? Oh, you would be amazed. They're not going to say no. They're, they might tear up because they've been waiting for it so long. You have power beyond reckoning at your fingertips. You know it, and it's time for us to use it. I'm going to invite the band to come up here, and we're going to wrap up our morning with some prayers and some response. Um, I feel like God is wanting this sermon to not just be won and done and forgotten, so he has given me an idea as kind of like a stone of remembrance. And the stone is in this form of this chair. This is just one of you guys' black chairs that you sit on every week. I bet you some of you have sat on this one. And Javi painted this, this beautiful paprika red, so that after this morning, when you see this chair, which will be out amongst yours, you will see it and you will remember, man, who could I have invited to church today? When you see this empty chair, I, I want God to just burn it into your mind, into my mind and heart. Who needs to sit before Jesus? Who can I bring to the throne of the Lord today in prayer? 
when you see this, I want it to be just a marker. Man, there's one more seat for somebody that I know that really needs Jesus, that really needs to hear about what God has done for me, um, that really I don't want to sit them to sit at home and just feel invisible and unnoticed, like I, I can just invite them to church, I can invite them to lunch, and whether or not they say yes or no is between them. But we can say something, we can do something, we can use the blessings and the knowledge that we've received from the Lord, and we can act on it. I want you guys to bow your heads one more time, and maybe you already have your name or names of people that you are praying for and have already asked, like, you've done the work. God set them free from shame, set them free from fear, set them free from trouble. But would you just ask the Lord, who do you want me to bring to you this morning? Who can I bring to the throne of God and lay before you and just say, God, will you do a miracle in their life? Would you please rescue them? Would you please save them the way that you saved me? Go further. Ask him, do you want me to reach out to them? Do you want me to talk to them and not just to you about them? Do you want me to invite somebody to do something this week with intentionality and with focus? How can I use my gifts this week to proclaim your love? Jesus, thank you that we are stronger than we know. Thank you that we have skills. We have abilities. We have the right words. Help us use them this summer. Help us focus on others. You guys, if you have a name of somebody that you just want to just like symbolically give to Jesus, as we respond through tithe, offering, communion, I would invite you to come up here and grab one of these silver sharpies and just write their name on this chair. And write pretty, because this is going to be in front of us for a while. But know that as you do, you are offering this person. You are trusting God. You're listening. Do something in response. It would really honor the Lord to know that you're thinking about some of his kids that maybe nobody's been thinking of for a long time. Lord, give us the right names. Bless this response. We love you. We need you. We thank you that we are not where we were a year ago. Take us further. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.